Well, Christian greetings to all of you dear people, and welcome to a, another night of opening the Word of God together. As is often the case, uh, children's meetings are not just for the children, but they speak to us as adults as well. Perhaps sometimes we should uh, consider having more children's meetings or having sermons that are more similar to a children's meeting, and uh, we might would come away with more, <laughs> at least more that we could apply directly to our lives. I greet you tonight in the name of the one who was broken so that we could have life. The one who was broken, life. This evening we would like to speak on the subject of spiritual brokenness. Now children, you might be thinking, brokenness? What's that? Maybe you don't think it's a good idea to be broken. Maybe your concept of, of brokenness is, is a problem. Like we don't, we don't want anything to be broken. If it's broken, that means it needs to be replaced. You know, we live in a, in a culture that does things. If something is broken, we're quick to think about replacing it or throwing it away, buying something new. Broken things are looked down on. But dear people, in the kingdom of God, broken things are of high value. And so children, maybe you don't understand exactly what I mean by, by being broken. What I'm talking about this evening is the absolute importance of wholehearted surrender to Jesus Christ. The flesh must be put to death in order to experience true life in Jesus Christ. Spiritual brokenness is about wholehearted surrender. Someone has said that we lack something in our churches today more than love. We lack dying. In other words, we lack brokenness. And the basis of brokenness is dying to self and choosing absolute loyalty to Jesus Christ. You see, God wants to get us to the place of total dependence upon God plus nothing. <laughs> plus nothing. The Apostle Paul said that I had been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives within me. And that's it. Dear people, that is not only the basis of true spiritual brokenness, but that is also the foundation for true usefulness in the kingdom of God. And so tonight, I've titled the message, The Usefulness of Brokenness. The usefulness of brokenness. Now, we are all quite familiar with this concept, at least in, in some areas of life. For example, horses. Jonas, you know all about this. When it comes to horses, it doesn't matter horses. It doesn't matter how much that horse cost. It doesn't matter how powerful that horse is. If that horse has never been broken, generally speaking, it's of little value. It's of little use. In order to be useful, that horse must learn who's boss. Think about children for a moment. You know, children are a very precious gift from God. But in order for a child to be a blessing to their family and to be a blessing to society in general, their will has to be dealt with. And that starts showing up at a very early age. You parents understand that. It's amazing how small those little babies are when they start displaying signs of rebellion and that type of activity. But the sooner that child learns to obey and respect authority, the better off they are and, and really everyone else around them. Sadly, though, there are many, many 
men and women in prisons and jails tonight that at one point had so much going for them. Men and women who who were so skilled and actually disciplined in certain areas of life, and yet because their will was never fully broken, they and many others are now reaping the bitter consequences of that. Think about a farm setting. You know, consider the importance of brokenness when it comes to a farm setting. And this is very, very basic, but you'll, you'll catch the drift here. The soil has to be broken in order to plant the seed. And then the seed has to be broken in order to produce grain. And that grain has to be broken in order to produce bread. And the bread has to be broken to feed us. But in each of these three illustrations, you catch the thrust here. Brokenness equals usefulness. Unbroken equals unuseful. And the bottom line of the message this evening is this. Spiritual usefulness without spiritual brokenness is a spiritual impossibility. Spiritual usefulness without spiritual brokenness is a spiritual impossibility. You know, brokenness is an ongoing, lifelong process. No one is ever fully broken, at least on this side of heaven. But as long as we are in these bodies, there will always be more amounts and more areas of resistance that need to be dealt with and surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's true that the more broken we are, the more God can use us, the more God will use us. So brokenness and usefulness are directly proportional. The broken, the less useful. Now, I invite you to turn to John chapter 12. And you might be wondering, I mean, is, is brokenness really so important? Because I know what you're thinking. Because I think about it too. When we think of brokenness, we think of pain. We think of trials. We, we start thinking, you know, brokenness scares us. And, and I'll confess it scares me. Because sometimes in my flesh... I'm fearful about completely selling out to God. I'm fearful about saying, Lord, I'll give you everything. Because I'm afraid that if I say, Lord, you can have everything I have, I'm afraid that maybe he'll take my wife. Maybe he'll take one of my children. Maybe he'll take something that that I just can't part with. Maybe, you know what I mean? And it scares us. It scares us sometimes to completely give it all up. Completely say, God, you can have it all. And we say, isn't there an easier way? <laughs> isn't there a way that, Lord, I can, I can still fully love you and, and, and fully experience all your blessings, but yet sort of hang on to a bit? Let's see what Jesus had to say about that. In John chapter 12, and we'll start at verse 23, but let me just give you the context of this passage here. So Jesus is in Jerusalem. This is just several days before the cross. He had just come through the city in what we refer to as the triumphal entry. And and the crowds and disciples were thinking along the lines of of victory and pomp and, and splendor and glory and deliverance and freedom and all of those thoughts, and it was quite a, quite a parade. It was quite a joyful occasion. And in Luke's gospel, we read that they were thinking that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. That was on their mind. They thought that, that Jesus was going to be the new king and actually establish a, a physical kingdom. And so they were welcoming in, here's our king. But right on the heels of that, Jesus speaks about what? about brokenness. What does that have to do with it? How does that fit? It means everything, dear people. 
Because truly there is no complete freedom. There is no real victory. There is no real glory to be experienced without spiritual brokenness. Spiritual brokenness is the gateway to true freedom, to true peace, to true victory in your life. Maybe you're struggling tonight. Maybe your life is is sort of like a roller coaster ride where you have some, some good days and bad days and you live in victory and the next day you, you fail and ah, oh, just, it just torments you and you feel kind of like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 where you're just like, man, the more I want to do what's right, I can't get it and I fall and I, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from the body of this death? And you're just, you're just struggling with that. We're talking about spiritual brokenness. I say it's the key. It's the gateway to experiencing true victory and freedom, peace in your life. John chapter 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn or a kernel of wheat fall into the ground and die... It abides alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now, this passage teaches us much. But we would just simply like to note these things here this evening before we move on. We'd like to note the illustration. And then the challenge and lastly the example but the illustration here is that of a seed verse 24 now you farmers understand this concept much more than I do you understand uh, that a seed has no real value unless it dies and I understand that that some of you spend a tremendous amount of money each year buying seed that you're going to bury in the ground and trusting it to be fruitful. And you understand that that seed has to die in order to produce grain, in order to be fruitful. Oh, sure, there's, there's life, there's energy inside that seed, but that life and that energy cannot break forth. It cannot come forth unless that hard outer shell is broken. In order to be fruitful, that seed must die. In fact, if it doesn't die, it simply abides alone. But notice what he said, that when that seed dies, it brings forth much fruit You understand that's sort of a mathematical equation, how that works. That is true, how that one seed that dies bears fruit and multiplies exponentially. Let's notice here the challenge that Jesus gives. And this challenge is for us. We find it in verses 25 and 26. But here, I look at it this way. We have a choice to make. Jesus says, will you choose to be comfortable Or will you choose to be conformable? Comfortable or conformable? You have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Put it. Well, he says we can choose to be comfortable. You understand that, once again, this is an illustration. So he's not talking about farms and gardens as much as he is talking about our life, about our heart. But we can choose to be comfortable in this life. And along with that package comes being selfish. Along with that comes protecting ourselves. We don't want to go out of our comfort zone. We don't want to do something that that is maybe feels dangerous to us. We don't want to do something that's scary. We don't want to mess up 
who we are, our identity, our looks, our health, our whatever. We just kind of want to take care of ourselves and protect ourselves. Selfishness, being protective. And along with that comes loneliness. The one who chooses to be comfortable just simply abides alone. There's no fruit there. Or we can choose to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. We can choose to surrender to his will for our lives, conform to that. And what, is, what does Jesus say is included in that package? Well, along with that is the promise that we will never be alone. What does the scripture say here? Where I am, there shall also my servant be, verse 26. We also have the promise of enjoying the favor of the Father. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. And a part of that package is the joy of fruitfulness. If it die, it brings forth much fruit. You see... We can choose to be comfortable, but the end of that is fruitlessness and death. Or you can choose to conform, surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the end of that is fruitfulness and life, eternal life. And then Jesus gives an example, and that example is of himself. The example of Jesus. We see this in verses 27 and 28. This is one of those places in the King James Version, if you're reading in the KJV, the lack of punctuation obscures the thrust a little bit. But verse 27 reads this way. Jesus says, now is my soul troubled. And once again, think about what he's saying. Think about the context of this passage. He is just within a few days of the cross. He sees what's coming, and his flesh is trembling. In his flesh, he's, he's fearful of that. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? Is that what I shall say? No, no, I cannot say that, because for this cause I came to this hour. This is exactly why I came to earth. I came to do the will of the Father. I came on a mission to bring salvation, to reconcile man back to God. This is exactly why I came. I could never say, no, I can't go through this. And so he says, verse 28, and we see his submission to the will of the Father. Father, glorify thy name. In other words, I surrender my will to yours, Father. Glorify your name. Do as it pleases you. And then look at that loving response from his heavenly Father. Isn't that beautiful? When Jesus surrendered his will once again to the will of the Father, there was a voice that spoke out. His heavenly Father called down to him in that moment and said, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. What beautiful confirmation from the Father. What love. I'm with you, son. The example here is of Jesus following through. Even with that unimaginable horror facing him. And we can't even imagine the horror of going through his trial and, and all that went along with his suffering and, and being nailed to the cross and all that he went through for me and for you. And yet, Jesus followed through. He submitted to the will of the Father. Do you think he had a choice? Oh, yes, he had a choice. Jesus could have swerved the cross. In fact, he said, I could call 10,000 angels to come down here and deliver me and get me out of here. But he didn't because he knew, he knew what the cross would mean for you and me. He knew what the cross would mean for all mankind. And he also knew what the cross meant for him. 
who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Isn't that beautiful? And so he was thinking of pleasing the Father. He came to do the will of the Father. And so he knew the joy that he would receive through obeying the Father, but he also knew what that would mean to all of mankind. You see, his focus was on the other side of the cross. The other side of the cross. His focus was on what should be gained, not what would be lost. And, and that speaks to me. Because too often, when I'm in the midst of a situation that, that feels over my head or, or, or painful or overwhelming, all I can see is the here and now. All I can see is the problem. All I can feel is the pain. And Jesus was looking through and past the pain. He was looking past the unimaginable horror of the cross experience, and he was looking at what would be gained. That's where his focus was. There was a sinless man that battled Satan, sin, self, and temptation in a garden. And he lost by saying, my will, not yours, be done. And that decision has impacted all of mankind. The second sinless man also battled Satan, sin, self, and temptation in a garden. And he won by saying, thy will, not mine, be done. And that victory has impacted every tribe and tongue around the world. Praise God. Whose will are you surrendering to? Let's zero in for just a moment here on the spiritual truth. You know, Jesus was using, once again, an object lesson uh, to teach us something very important. A believer is like a kernel of corn, is like a seed in many ways. You know, when we give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and moves within us, moves into our life. There's new life there. There's energy there. There's power there. But unless the hard outer shell of our flesh is broken, that life cannot truly flow out of us, impacting our world and relationships for Jesus Christ. We must be broken in order to be useful. I would like for us to then consider how brokenness is useful. We're thinking tonight about the usefulness of brokenness. In, in, what, in what ways does brokenness produce usefulness in my life? Four points here. First of all, brokenness engages us intimately with God. Brokenness engages us intimately with God. You know, one of the most beautiful results of brokenness is a new and deeper intimacy with our Heavenly Father. And this is something that I cannot fully describe to you. You truly have to experience it in order to really feel it, to know it, to understand it. But broken believers know God in a way that, that other believers just don't. Uh, this morning... I enjoyed being at Berea and speaking to the high schoolers there. And we talked a bit about Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, where Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Or, I want to know you, Jesus Christ. And that word know is, is an intimate term. It speaks about a warm, loving relationship, a heart-to-heart -heart relationship. 
I want to feel you. I want to see your face. I want to hear your whisper in my ear. I want, I want you to be an inseparable part of my life. That I may know you and the power of your resurrection. But he goes on to say, I want to know the fellowship of your sufferings. And, and I want to be like you in your death. Uh, we like the first part of the verse. We're not so sure about the second part. And yet, it is absolutely essential in order to experience the life and power, we have to first know what it means to die. You see, there would be, someone has said, there would be no Easter without Good Friday. <laughs> there would be no Easter without Good Friday. And in a very similar way, we can never expect to experience that resurrection power in our lives if we have not truly experienced the cross. I say, broken believers, they know Jesus in a way that others just, just don't. Why is this? It's because God does not sell himself out cheaply, but he reveals himself only to the sincere seeker. You know, we had these Sunday school lessons recently uh, from the book of Job. I was just impacted once again as I saw that verse towards the end of Job's experience, towards the end of the book there. But you understand that, that Job, in the beginning of the book, the Bible says that Job was a perfect and upright man, one who feared God and shunned evil. And I'm like, I want to be like that. I want to be like the Job in the beginning of the book. <laughs> That's the Job I want to be like. And yet we know what God took him through. Do you know what Job said at the end of the story? He said, God, as I think about my experience, when I look back to who I was before my sufferings, it's as if, it's as if I had only heard of you. But now, Lord, I have seen you. Isn't that amazing? As, as righteous, as God-honoring as Job was, yet he says, that was just like only hearing of you compared to the intimacy that I now have with you after coming through that severe trial. The psalmist in Psalm 25, 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. God reserves his secrets for those who truly fear him, the sincere seeker. Now, I'm going to quote several verses here. And in these verses, I want you to pay special attention to how God responds to broken people. Notice the intimate relationship that God has with broken people. Psalm 34, verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Now this word contrite has the idea of being crushed. Being crushed. Psalm 51, verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise, or you will not reject one like that. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made. And all those things have been, saith the Lord. And so, okay, we get this picture of this great and mighty creator God who says, heaven is my throne. The earth is just my footstool. And you get this picture of this amazing God, this great God that the, that the psalmist says he stoops down to look at the earth. <laughs> wow. And you would think, once again, like the psalmist said in Psalm 8, what is man that thou art mindful of him? I mean, why do you even care about us? And yet Isaiah goes on to write, 
but to this man will I look. Or this is, this is what I really care about. Even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. God says, that's who I really, really care for. I say brokenness engages us intimately with God. Secondly, brokenness empowers us to serve God effectively. Brokenness empowers us to serve God effectively. You know, every broken believer will testify that they have a new and a real power that they did not have before. In areas where they used to struggle and struggle, they now experience that power to claim consistent victory. Uh, do you believe that's a possibility tonight? Maybe you are one of those that cannot seem to claim consistent victory. Do you believe it's possible? Absolutely it is, dear people. And I say, in, in those experiences, in those lives that have been changed, what has changed? What has happened? What is it? And I say, their self-life has finally been dealt a serious blow, allowing the Holy Spirit to freely move in and work in their life with less resistance. The self-life has finally been truly dealt with. Let me just tell you, dear people, that until you come to that place of complete surrender to Jesus Christ, until you come to that place of completely selling out to God, holding nothing back, but saying, Lord, you can have it all. Your spiritual life is going to be a struggle at best. Oh, you'll have a few decent days, but you'll have a lot of bad days. It's going to be a roller coaster ride at best. You will not have the power to serve God effectively. I think back to Psalm 51 again where that is the context of David's acknowledging his sin, repenting of that, and pleading to God for mercy. And he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then what? Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You see that? You see the difference? I say, we will not have the power to serve God effectively if there is known sin in our life that is not being taken care of. And you can struggle and struggle and struggle all you want But you will not be able to claim consistent victory until your all has been laid on the altar. Let me just give a couple examples here. One from the Bible and one from history, more modern history. Think about Peter. You know, we remember Peter for his promises, right? We remember Peter for his good intentions. He had some great intentions. And just prior to Gethsemane, and just prior to Jesus' trial, Peter said this, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet shall I never be offended. And then a few verses later, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. And we say, wow. I mean, what courage, what loyalty. And yet we all know what happened just keep reading. You know what happened. In the face of that trial, Peter failed miserably and denied Christ three times. Can you hear the rooster crowing in your ear? Can you picture the face of Jesus as he, he turned and lovingly looked at Peter? Maybe you can. Maybe you can put yourself in, in that place. But the scripture says that Peter was so broken, he went out and just wept bitterly. 
And it appears that Peter was so crushed by that experience that he abandoned the ministry altogether and went back to fishing again. And yet, Jesus wasn't done with him. Isn't that beautiful? Maybe you feel like you're in that situation. Let me tell you, dear people, there's hope. Jesus is not done with you either. But after the resurrection, Jesus called Peter back to serve him. And he said, Peter, do you really love me? Yeah, I like you, Lord. No, do you, re- do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I have work for you, Peter. I want you to feed my sheep. And as we move then into the book of Acts, we see a new Peter. Oh, he's still that bold, outspoken Peter. But he is no longer operating in Peter's power. He is now operating through the power of the Holy Spirit. And just look at the results. Through the powerful Holy Spirit-filled preaching, thousands are saved and the early church is established. It's a beautiful picture of Holy Spirit power that came through it. It was completely broken and surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. The self has truly been dealt with. I want to think now of Hudson Taylor. Perhaps you've heard of Hudson Taylor or read about Hudson Taylor. We know him as the great missionary to China. But before God could do that through him, he had to be broken through some very severe illness. I understand that that Hudson aspired to be a missionary to China at just a very young age. As a little boy, he dreamed of being a missionary to China. And so when he was of age, he moved to China. And he served, I understand, for around six years. But he became so ill that he had to return back to England, an invalid. And at age 29, the doctors told Hudson, Hudson, I'm sorry, but you will never return to China again. You are too ill. You'll never return. And for five long years, Hudson Taylor laid in bed, wondering, waiting, praying, suffering. But it was through that, it was through that experience that God developed Hudson Taylor into the man that we know today who went back to China and shook it with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But God had to break him in order to truly use him effectively and to make his work fruitful. I say brokenness empowers us to serve God effectively. Thirdly then, brokenness enriches our relationships with others. Brokenness enriches our relationships with others. You know, brokenness has a beautiful effect on on our relationships, on our friendships. You know, broken friends are, are truly the best kinds of friends to have, right? That's the kind of friends you like to have. Who likes to have friends that are proud and arrogant, stuck up, and always make you feel like you're just dumb? Like, you never say it quite right. They always kind of look at you like, what was that about? No one likes having friends like that. We all enjoy having broken friends, humble friends. I wonder what kind of friend are you? How do your friends know you? What is obvious about your life, about your relationships? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul talks about this. Starting at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side and yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Okay, so you see what the Apostle Paul is going through here. He's suffering. He's going through trials. He's going through pain. But look what he says now. Verse 10. 
always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. Now, I want you to notice something, dear people. Notice in verses 10, 11, and 12, those verses are all structured the same. In the first half is a picture of death, dying. In the second half is a picture of life, that of living. Do you see that? Verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of Lord Jesus. Verse 11, always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Verse 12, so then death worketh in us. But notice what he says. Verse 10, so that the life of Jesus might be revealed in our body. Verse 11, that the life of Jesus might be revealed in our mortal flesh. Verse 12, life in you. <laughs> in other words, he's saying that living relationships happen best through dead people. That's really what he's saying. That's my version. Living relationships happen best through dead people. The more I die, the more you live. You see, it is really through dying that we live. Sacrificial living brings life to others. Uh, the more that I get out of the way, the more you are blessed. So death worketh in us, but life in you. And then he says in verse uh, 15, all of these things are for your benefit. It's all for you. In other words, God is bringing these things into my life. God is allowing me this pain, this suffering, all of this in order to bless you. It's so that God can truly work through me. It's so that God can purge me of myself so that Jesus can be seen. He says, when I die, then Jesus Christ is revealed in me. You ever think about that? When self is on the throne, Jesus is not very obvious at all. <laughs> okay? Ever wonder why it feels like you're spinning your wheels in relationships? Maybe you need to check and see who's on the throne. The more that I gets out of the way, the more you are blessed. In his book on brokenness, Lon Solomon identifies five characteristics in broken believers that influence their relationships with others. And if you've never read that book, I, I do encourage you to read it. Uh, some years ago, I picked it up, read it, and it, it really, it really challenged me. I ended up preaching a series of messages uh, from my, my experience from that book. It's by Lon Solomon, entitled Brokenness. But in that book, he, he identifies five characteristics in broken believers that influence their relationships with others. And I'm just going to mention those five to you. But as I mention those, I want you to ponder if they are in your life. Do they describe you? Broken believers are approachable. Are you approachable? Broken believers are teachable. Are you one who can easily be taught? Do you have a teachable spirit? Or do you pretty much know it all? Broken believers are, believers are sensitive. They're sensitive. Broken believers, he says, are turfless. Now, what does he mean by that, turfless? It has to do with be, being willing to give up ground for the good of others. Oh, I'm not saying compromising doctrinal issues. I'm talking about being willing to see it from another perspective, from your brother's point of view, from your sister's point of view. Matters of opinion. They're willing to give up ground for the good of others, for the good of the whole. They have no personal turf to protect. And lastly, 
Broken believers are forgiving. You know, there's something about brokenness that is attractive. And as difficult and as painful as the situation may be for us, yet we are drawn to people who are broken. I say it's attractive. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Picture in your mind a spiritual hero. Someone that you look up to, that you would like to model your spiritual life after. Chances are that that person knows what suffering is all about. Chances are that that person has, has lost some things very dear to them. Chances are that person has been through the fire, as it were. And yet, and yet we're drawn to that. There's something beautiful that comes out of that. And we, we want to model after them. They're our heroes. Isn't that interesting? Why is this? You see, it's, it's through brokenness that the very nature, the very beauty of Jesus is seen in us. Brokenness creates an atmosphere where, where people feel safe to open up and share. Brokenness creates an atmosphere where, where people are relaxed, where people are unthreatened, and there's, there's warm conversation. There's understanding. And we're drawn to people like that because we feel like we matter. There's a listening ear. Simply put, brokenness reflects Jesus Christ. Once again, I say, He is the one who was broken so that we could experience life. Brokenness reflects Jesus Christ. Lastly, then, brokenness enables us to minister to others. Brokenness enables us to minister to others. You know, I really believe that experiencing and living through difficult experiences gives us the resources to help others. Have you ever considered that God may be allowing a painful experience in your life as a means of preparing you to minister to others who are struggling. Ever thought about that? Because sometimes, like I said, all we can see is the problem. All we can feel is the pain. We get caught up in the midst of that and we can't see past it. And it feels like an absolute waste. It feels like God is, is being cruel to us. And yet, have you ever thought about it that God may be preparing you to minister more deeply to others through this thorn in your flesh? Turn back a couple pages to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Isn't that beautiful? God allows trials and pain and hard times into our lives for a purpose. He allows those into our lives, but then he extends his warm comfort and love. He is the God of all comfort. He is the Father of mercies. And he wraps his arms around us and comforts us and helps us through that so that we then can extend that warm comfort to those around us who are in need. It's a beautiful picture. Some of you would know the name Claire Schnupp. He was the founder of Northern Youth Programs uh, up in Dryden, Ontario, and a longtime counselor. And he wrote this, Nothing bad can ever happen to us that God can't use to help others if our response is godly. I'll say that again. Nothing bad can ever happen to us that God can't use to help others if our response is godly. You see, we can bring glory to God by telling others about the marvelous ways that God has rescued us from pain and trials and seemingly hopeless situations. 
The psalmist in Psalm 107 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. I like how the New Living Translation renders that, verse 2. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others how God has redeemed you. You see, your story and your testimony, dear people, could very well be the key to helping some struggling soul find victory, find freedom from what they are going through. And so I say for the good of others and for the glory of God, tell your story. Tell others what God has done for you. I ask you, have you been asking God to take your pain away? Asking God to take your pain away, to take your struggles away. Paul did. The Apostle Paul did. The scripture says he prayed thrice, three times, that this thorn in the flesh would be removed from his life. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul said, okay, if that's the case, bring it on. If you can receive more glory through my weakness, if through my weakness I am truly made strong, then I want to glory in that. Wow, what a testimony. But I ask you, have you been asking God to take your pain away, to take your struggles away? You see, it is often our pain that prepares us for our purpose in life. It is often our pain that prepares us for our purpose in life. It is through our pain, dear people, that we gain our ministry, that we gain our ability to minister effectively to those around us. And so, don't focus on easy. Focus on purpose. You see, it makes all the difference. Focus on purpose. Well, as we bring this to a close tonight, let me just say that in a world that despises broken things, in a world that looks down on broken things, there is nothing more beautiful today and more powerful today than a broken brotherhood. <laughs> you understand? Oh, how we need that today, dear people. But it starts one person at a time. It begins with me. It begins with you. I believe God has some great things in store for us as a congregation, in store for us as a conference. But it begins with me. It begins with you. Oh, there is beauty, there is power in a broken brotherhood. Let's do our part. Let's allow God the freedom to truly come in and change us. And let's allow our trials to bring about pure gold. And may God be glorified in that. Let's pray.